Okay, if y'all got your Bibles, you can turn to Romans 12. I think that'd be exciting for you. If you're a professional Bible turner, you can do Romans 12 and Judges 6, and you can look at that. Okay, if everybody is ready, I love it whenever you turn your cell phones off. I love it more whenever you stay in your seats for the next 30 minutes. I love it even more when you stay awake for the next 30 minutes. But I'll take the first two and give off on the three if that's okay. Okay, so we are in our series called Singing Thinking. This is part 1235 in our series. (laughs) And today I want to talk to you about insecurity. I want to talk to you about thoughts of insecurity. Um, people that battle insecurity and have these thoughts going through their mind, it seems like they're very good at celebrating other people. They say things like, oh, my sister is so pretty, or man, my friend is so much smarter than I am, or, um, you know, my friend, my, my brother, whatever, he is so great, he's so strong. But I want you to see something today, and that is that you are to be celebrated. There's something about you that is worth celebrating. There's something on the inside of you that God Almighty uh, put in you that he didn't give to anybody else. If, um, if he didn't have something he still needed you to accomplish in life, you would not be breathing right now. Uh, he has an individual divine destiny for you, and there's gifts and talents inside of you that you don't even know you have yet. There's doors that he needs you to walk through. There's steps that he needs you to take, but it's going to have to have, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take confidence on our part to do those things. Uh, he told Joshua eight times, be confident. Be confident. Be confident. Um, Some people, they battle insecurity so strongly that whenever they walk into a room, they think that everybody's talking about them. They can't look people in the eye. They mumble whenever they talk. When there's an opportunity presented to them, something that God wants them to do, they shrink back in fear. And it's all because they're not confident in who God made them to be. Um, Society teaches us that our confidence should come from the outside. Society says that you have to have your hair fixed a certain way. You have to be a certain weight. Um, You have to look a certain way and then you can be confident. And if we don't have those outside things, then we do things to change them. We get a nip here and a tuck there and we want to change our hair and we want to get implants there. And there's nothing wrong with those things if that's what you want to do because you like that. But there is something wrong if you do those things because you think you're going to be more confident afterwards. Um, I see too many people on Facebook, their profile picture, they have that camera aimed at just the right angle where they show just the right amount of cleavage you know, necessary to get more likes than their friend does. And y'all can laugh and smile in church if you want to. It's okay. And they have their face fixed like this the whole time. And nobody has their face fixed like this all the time. And you see them in person and their face is like this. And you're like, what's wrong with you with that picture? You're doing like this. It's because they want to feel better about themselves. It's because they compare themselves to other people and they start competing races with other people. If they don't have the outside confidence, then they go to money. And they think, well, if I can buy this certain type of car, then I can feel better about myself. If I can buy this certain house in this neighborhood, then I'll have confidence. If they don't get it from there, they go to their job or their position or their title to feel good about themselves. The problem with the outside is the outside is always changing. Changing. If your confidence is in that job, what happens if you lose that job? Does that mean you should live insecure? Um, gravity takes over for all of us. Sooner or later, everything's going to be sagging everywhere. So if you put your confidence on the outside, one day you're going to lose that confidence as well. True, lasting confidence. The only way you're going to have the confidence you need to step out and fulfill the God-given destiny that he has for you is this. Whenever you learn to think about yourself the way God thinks about you. 
whenever you get your thought life about yourself lined up with how God, when you see him as the most important person in your life and how he thinks about you is where you get your confidence from. I read where um, we get our self-worth, 90% of our self-worth comes from the person in our life who we think is the most important person in our life. Whether that be a spouse, a boss, a coach, a teacher, a sibling, whatever it is. And that statement is actually biblical and scientific. It's true both ways. But the problem is, is God is supposed to be the most important person in your life. Therefore, what God thinks about you should be where your self-image and your self-worth and your confidence comes from. The second part of Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One translation says, let God transform you inwardly by changing the way that you think. This word transform comes from a Greek word metamorphosis. It's where we talk about how a caterpillar metamorphoses into a butterfly. Um, In other words, whenever you get saved and you give your heart to the Lord and he becomes the, the most important thing in your life, you are wrapped in this cocoon of God's favor. And every time you renew your mind, you know like you renew your driver's license, you renew your Costco card, every time you come to church, every time you go to Bible study, every time you put songs on in your car that glorify God and glorify him and talk about um, his heart and what the word says, anytime you get around friends and people that encourage you in the ways of God, let me tell you, if you got friends that don't think you're wonderful, you need to find some new friends. Um, My close friends, our leadership here, they know everything about me and they know all of my problems and all of my, 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 my not good areas and they still love me very much and they still think I'm wonderful and I think the same thing about them. So if you don't have friends in your life that think you are wonderful just like you are, you need to find some new friends. But every time you get into a place where your mind is being renewed in the things of God, it's like while you're in this cocoon, um, it's like you're transforming day after day into the butterfly God's called you to be. But the world battles every single day to try to get us to go back to the outside with commercials, with, with what you're supposed to buy, what you're supposed to look like, the cover of Cosmo magazine, MTV. All, they want you to, and I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying that they're designed to get you to think like them. They're designed to get you to say, well, if I looked like this or had this, I could be confident because I'm insecure right now. But God is saying, if you renew your mind and see what he thinks about you, that's where your true lasting confidence will come from because everything on the outside is going to burn up one day anyway. It says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he will become. It doesn't say do the outside and then the inside changes. It doesn't say if you lose the weight, then you'll feel pretty and think that you're pretty. If you buy this kind of car, buy this, and there's nothing wrong with any of that, I'm just saying whenever your confidence comes from that, it's not going to change the inside. According to this scripture and all the other scriptures, change starts from the inside. In other words, if you don't think that you're attractive right where you are with the weight that you are, the hair that you are, the way you look, the gifts and talents you have right now, no matter what you do on the outside, you're never going to think you're attractive. It starts on the inside. If you don't think that you are highly favored by God right where you are in your walk with Jesus, and we are all at a different place, every single one of us, if you don't think you are blessed by God and have his favor right where you're at, no matter how good you are on the outside, you're never going to think that. I was thinking about how we handle sin so wrong. I mean so wrong. Uh, Whenever we sin, the first thing we do, and nobody knows we do this, it's kind of a secret, but the first thing we do is we beat ourselves up internally. I mean, we give our inner man, we rebuke our inner man, we beat him up. You dirty, rotten, I can't believe you did that again. You, you gave into that addiction. You had that thought of lust. You had said those things. And then the second thing we do is we make promises that we know we can't keep. 
God, I promise I will never do it again. I will never, ever, ever do that again. And from the Old Testament, from the beginning of mankind, they tried that. And of course, we always do it again. And all we're doing is setting ourselves up for more insecurity. Because whenever we're focused on the sin, the Bible says to go confidently before the throne of God. Notice how the enemy tries to steal your confidence every time you do wrong. And God says, when you do wrong, that's when you should be confident that I am going to forgive you and give you mercy for failure in time of need, it says in the Bible. So we get all this insecurity, and we, and you know, if we do good for like three days, and we don't make that mistake for three days, then we step out in faith, and we pray for people, and we say things that are spiritual around people, let them know that we love Jesus, and we come to church, and we lift our hands, and then we make the mistake again, and then all of that, all that security just leaves us. We start all over from scratch. And if you live based on the outside, that's how your life's going to be. Your confidence is up one minute, down the next, up one minute, down the next. You have to believe that you are highly favored and God loves you right where you're at. No matter what we do on the outside, we're going to live insecure unless we start working on the inner man and thinking about, even thinking about sin the way God thinks about it. How we're supposed to go to him confidently and bold. Let me give you a, a, an analogy. Um, I don't know if you ever played with pigs before or were around some pigs. I have five of them. Um, I'm just kidding. Those are my kids. Anyway, and so you take some pigs, and if you took this pig, and um, they love to play in mud. They play in mud because that's the way a pig thinks. They're always thinking about mud, always going after mud. That's just ingrained in their thinking. If you took this pig, and you took it down to the Market Common Salon down the street, and you gave that pig a manicure and a petty, get it, like petty, like pet the kid, anyway, and, um, and you put some veneers in that pig, and then you injected some Botox into that pig's wrinkles, you know what you would say? You'd say, man, that's the prettiest pig I've ever seen my entire life. I mean, that's the good-looking pig. If you took that good-looking pig home, that pig is not going to sit out by the pool, baking in the sun, and, <laughs> yes, and, um, it's not going to sit back and drink iced tea. Do you know what that pig's going to do? No matter how pretty it looks on the outside, it's going to run straight back to that mud pile. Do you know why it's going to do that? Because we always go back to what we think about ourselves. Listen, I can take every single sermon preached by any preacher in the world, and I can take that and take it all back to root it in. Are you in a healthy church, and are you renewing your mind on a regular basis of the things of God? I can take every sermon and go back to that. It all goes back to the root. Are you renewing your mind and being transformed on a regular basis? In Judges 6, chapter 12, uh, it says, The Lord's angel appeared to Gideon, saying, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of fearless courage. Go and save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. I need you to look at the scripture and see how God thought about Gideon. This is how God Almighty, the creator of the universe, who knows everything Gideon's done in his past, he knows everything he's going to do in his future, and he still said, you are a mighty man of fearless courage. Here's your assignment. Here's your destiny that I have for you. Here's what I need you to accomplish in life. The problem is Gideon had never renewed his mind. If you study the scripture, you find that Gideon came from a household of, of, of heathens. They didn't go to church. They didn't worship God. And here, he had not renewed it. He didn't know how God thought about him. And so the way Gideon responded shows us where his confidence came from. In verse 15, Gideon said, how can I do what you're asking me to do? Here's how. My family is the poorest in all of Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. Here's what he was saying. I don't have as much money. I live in the projects. I don't have money like everybody else has. And not only that, I don't have affirmation from people around me. 
They're not giving me their approval. They don't think I can do it. So here's what he's saying. All of my confidence comes from money and what people think about me, so I can't do what you're asking me to do. Do you know that insecurity can cause you um, to, to, to get offended easy? You have people at your work, I'm sure, they're, they're so insecure they can't take correction. Every time someone tries to instruct them, they get so bent up out of shape, then they blow up and they want to blame it on somebody else and they start comparing themselves to other people. It's all based on insecurity. If God appeared to you today and told you what he was thinking about you, he wouldn't say, how's my weak loser doing? How's my loser? You're such a loser. You are such a loser. You just sin all the time. Even the thoughts. If God appeared to you today, he'd say, here's what you are. You are a mighty woman of fearless courage. You are a mighty man, a great leader. You have such creativity in you. You're so beautiful. I made you fearfully and wonderfully. I shaped you just the way I wanted you to be, gave you just what I wanted you to have. God would not come to you saying you're a weak worm of the dust. We have to learn to get our thoughts lined up with the way God thinks about us or we'll never have confidence in life. Confidence to a believer is like fuel to a jumbo jet. When you think about the magnificence of a jumbo jet, it's probably got a manual 10 inches thick on all that it was built to accomplish and to do. All the different types of wiring and hardware and all the different compartments and all as fast as it can go. And in the same way, um, you and I, we're going to stay on the ground our entire life unless we have confidence. Uh, As magnificent as you were created... You will never get off the ground. You will never soar. You will never become what God's created to do without having confidence. Um, That jumbo jet will just stay on the ground and do nothing. Year after year, you can walk around and look at it and think it's so amazing. Why isn't it up in the ground? Here's here's why it's not off the ground. Because there's no fuel inside of it. There's no fuel. It's just going to sit there forever. Um, I heard about this sculptor. He um, lived on an island in the Bahamas. And one day he was walking by this huge plantation. The plantation was owned by the richest guy on the entire island. And there was a huge white house on the plantation. There was, there was grass, acres of green grass just blowing in the wind. There was palm trees everywhere you look. And um, over in the corner there was this discarded pile of tree trunks. And so the sculptor went up to the plantation owner's home and he knocked on the door and he said, listen, can I have one of those tree trunks out there? And the plantation owner laughed. He said, man, if you want an old, discarded, dead pile of wood, you can have it. Just take it. So he was so excited, he went and picked it up and he took it back to his hut. He sat it down on the inside of his hut and he began to examine it. I mean, he walked around that thing, looked at it from every angle, turned it upside down for hours, just studied it. Finally, he pulled out his carving knives and he began to carve this tree trunk with such precise, it was just amazing. The details were phenomenal. Whenever he got done, it looked like this huge eagle with its wings outstretched, its claws were back, like it was soaring in the sky. I mean, the details of the face, the feathers, you wouldn't even believe it if you saw it. He then took that, that, that he had sculpted and he sat it outside of his hut. The next day, the plantation owner was walking by and he saw this beautiful eagle and he went up to the guy and said, man, where did you get this eagle? I'll give you $1,000 for it. The guy agreed and he paid him the money and the plantation owner picked it up and started walking home. When he got halfway down the road, the sculptor yelled out and said, hey man, did you know that you just gave me $1,000 for that old discarded tree trunk that you handed me just a few days before. Didn't think much of it. The next day, the sculptor was walking by the plantation owner's home once again, and there was a huge sign out front that said, tree trunks for sale, $1,000 each. (laughs) That's exactly how it is with us 
in God. God sees things in us. He's put things inside of us that we don't even know we have yet. And I can tell you this all day long, but if you don't get into a position or a place in life where on a weekly basis you hear these things, on a weekly basis you renew your mind in these things, no matter how beautiful the eagle is inside of your tree trunk, it'll never come to life. It's so, um, you you see in the New Testament about um, joining a church or being a member of a body. You can be a Christian and not be a member of a body, but what would it look like if my hand was severed off and there was a hand sitting over there and it wasn't part of my body? It would still be a hand. It just wouldn't be connected to a body. Um, The the, the way that our confidence should come is from Ephesians 2.10. We are God's very own handiwork recreated in Jesus Christ. I was thinking about how whenever you see a beautiful painting, you know, um, or an expensive painting, I've, I've studied art a little bit, and a lot of these paintings, they're not really that pretty. I actually think that my kids paint a lot better than Van Gogh and, and, and Michelangelo and all the other Ninja Turtles. And so I was, um, I was looking, and, and did you know that paintings, the reason they're so expensive, isn't because of their beauty, really. It's because of who painted them. My kids' paintings, I think, are the most beautiful, but they're not really worth that much. I've tried to sell them on eBay, and I can't get much for them. Just kidding. But a Van Gogh painting is thousands and thousands of dollars. Why? Because someone special painted it. Man, God painted you and I. Our insecurity is caused by putting more value on what the world thinks than what God thinks. Um, I saw a report years ago that upset me really bad it was about these kids that were getting bullied in school and um, all the nasty things that were happening to them. And they interviewed this one man who was in his mid-40s. And he told on camera how he had struggled most of his life in relationships, in business, and he owed it all back to when he was in middle school. He was overweight. And the kids would call him uh, Dumbo and Slowpoke. 30 years later, he was still being affected by that. 30 years later, he was still basing his confidence on what kids said to him in middle school. Listen, you are not what people call you. You are what you answer to. Don't answer to names that don't define who you are. Don't respond to emails that aren't who God made you to be. Um, One of the saddest days of my life was when my son Eli, I have five kids and my middle child Eli, he didn't get his height from me. I'm six foot two and he is two feet shorter than everyone in his entire grade. I mean by far. And he's okay now and he's very confident now. But um, when he first discovered that he was small, see we knew that he was really small for his age before he did. And he had to wear glasses when he was really young as well. And so one day he got off the bus and he was crying his eyes out. And he was so upset. I said, what's wrong? He said, Dad, all the kids at school say I'm too short. They're calling me dwarf. They're calling me nerd. They're making fun of me. I don't want to go back to school. I don't like it. And I've always instilled confidence in my children and told them what they've become. But even more importantly, I remember sitting Eli down that day. And I said, Eli, because of what God's put inside of you, those kids may call you nerd or geek today. But I promise you, one day those same kids are going to be calling you boss. They're going to be calling you CEO. They're going to be calling you Mr. President, Professor. One day those same kids are going to call you when they want vacation time with their family. So you just keep doing what God's called you to do. Eleanor Roosevelt said, nobody can make you feel insecure without your permission. The enemy loves to use rejection to make us feel insecure. 
In 1 Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel went to the house of Jesse because God said one of Jesse's sons is the next king. But God didn't tell the prophet which son. So he gets there and he tells Jesse, line up all your boys. So he lined up everybody except for David. His own father thought, man, David's too small. He's got red hair, freckles. He stands out. His only talent is a slingshot. I mean, anybody can use a slingshot. Surely he's not going to be the next king. Imagine the rejection that David felt the day that his own family didn't even give him the the ability to even see if he was going to be the next king. In the middle of this discussion going on, and it's interesting, even Samuel, the spiritual leader, didn't think it was David. He thought it was Eliab. In the middle of all this, God spoke up in verse 7 and said, I don't look at people the way people look at people. Man looks on the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Do you know that rejection that day could have destroyed David's future? He could have never had the confidence to step out and face Goliath with a very insignificant talent that everybody had. But unlike Gideon, David had renewed his mind year after year after year after year. The Bible says that when David was out in the shepherd's fields, he spent time talking to God, listening to God, writing songs about God. He wrote, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David knew that his confidence does not come from what his parents think about him or even what his spiritual leader thinks about him. His confidence comes from what God thinks about him. I learned something very important about this story, that this is our main application for today. So if you get this, this is the best thing you can take home with you. Don't put so much emphasis on one person. Don't put so much emphasis on that one person that won't love you the way you love them. Don't put so much emphasis on that one coach that you think, you know, hung the moon When one day you're going to be so much of a better coach than that coach is, don't think that that one person, because that boss won't give you the opportunity, or whoever it is isn't giving you the affirmation you need, don't put so much emphasis on that one person. It'll cause you to want to change yourself and become somebody God didn't call you to be. I remember seeing an interview years ago, this lady on TV, she lost 150 pounds. I mean, she went from a little over 300 to a little under 200 pounds, and they paid for her to have the surgery to have her, you know, loose skin cut and everything. I mean, she looked like a million bucks. She looked phenomenal, beautiful. And when she came out, it's so interesting, I noticed that she wasn't looking the interviewer in his eyes. She was mumbling when she talked. She was looking down and, you know, not. And he said, well, don't you feel beautiful? She said, well, I, I, mean, I guess so. He said, but don't, 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 don't you just feel great? You lost all this weight. You worked so hard. She said, yeah, I guess. They brought out her family to kind of surprise her. And I found the reason why she was still insecure. When her mom got on camera, they asked the mom, the, the interviewer was having to lead the mom on, saying, well, aren't you so proud of your daughter? I mean, yeah, I'm proud of her. Don't you think she's so beautiful? Yeah, I mean, you know, she's so beautiful. I could tell by everything that happened, that daughter wanted so bad to hear her mom say, I think you're the greatest daughter in the world. I'm so proud of you. You did such a good job. You're so beautiful. Not once did that mom give her daughter the approval that she desired so badly to have. And I wanted her to reach to the TV and pray for somebody. And I wanted to tell a girl, who gives a, who cares what your mom thinks? It's not about your mom. You did something your mom couldn't do in 20 years. But all of this insecurity was rooted in the fact that one human being wouldn't give her approval. Romans 12, 2 says, don't conform to the world. This is another translation. It says, fashioned after its external superficial ways. Instead, fix your thoughts on God. God brings out the best in you.
Um, if you look at the, 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 the outside, David was just a shepherd. On the inside, he was a giant slayer. On the outside, Jeremiah was a teenager, not a bullfrog, but a teenager. On the inside, he was a prophet to the nations with an S. On the outside, Gideon was poor and unpopular. On the inside, he was an incredible leader. Notice the scripture says to fix your thoughts on God. God brings the best out of you. Man, fixing your thoughts on God, it's like Popeye eating spinach. Fixing your thoughts on God is like Clark Kent turning into Superman. Fixing your thoughts on God is like Miley Cyrus turning into Hannah Montana. <laughs> Fixing your thoughts on God is like Mark Kaufman <laughs> becoming the great Kenny G. <laughs> Y'all can thank Mary Jane and Ron for that later on. That'd be excellent. Psalms 139.14 says, I am fearfully... Y'all want to see it one more time? Mark Kaufman and Kenny G. There we go. <laughs> Psalms 139.14, I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Listen, real quick, this mayor, he was in a, a float in his, in his city one day, and he was on this big parade, and he was up there and waving at all the citizens in his town, and his wife was standing next to him. And um, they were waving, everybody's there going down this parade, and all of a sudden, the mayor saw his wife's ex-boyfriend out in the crowd, and she was a, uh, this, this guy was a, a gas station owner there in that little town, and the, the mayor snickered. He looked at his wife and said, if you had married him, you'd be working at a gas station. And she said, snickered back and said, if I married him, he would be the mayor. <laughs> insecurity, last point, breeds jealousy. Last point, insecurity breeds jealousy. Whenever you're insecure, you start to compare your life to somebody else's and try to change things about you to line up with them. Um, here's the analogy I want to give you for this. Uh, growing up, my, my nana and papa lived in Darlington, and there's the Darlington Raceway. If you ever been to one of the races? And man, it's so loud when you go there. But I remember my papa taking me, and I was fascinated by these cars. These cars were aerodynamic. They go 150, 160 miles an hour. They're so fast. The engines are so huge. They're so loud. But in the midst of all all of these strengths that these race cars have, they also have a bunch of weaknesses. Uh, one weakness is you can only fit one person in the car. So you can't you know, take your wife out on a date in the car. You can't pick the kids up from school. Another thing about the car is it's not very comfortable. It's not very luxurious at all. There's no air conditioning in the car. I mean, there's, there's no special feature. It's just fast. The reason why it's built for one thing, it's built for speed. Um, in my life, I've always had sports cars, but now I have an SUV. My SUV is very comfortable. It's got leather seats. It's got a sunroof. It sits up high. It seats seven people in my SUV. But if for some reason I took my SUV and I decided I was going to get into a Darlington race, they would lap me over and over and over and over again. One reason is because I know whenever I get up to 100 miles an hour in my SUV, it starts to shake. I learned that every other day. Another reason is this. My SUV would be competing in a race it wasn't created to compete in. It wasn't, it's not, it, my SUV is not meant for that. It's meant for luxury, for comfortability. The sports car, the race car, it's meant for speed. It's meant to win that type of race. Hebrews 12, 1 say, says, lay aside every unnecessary weight and run the appointed race that's set before us. I see too many SUVs in the body of Christ trying to compete in the Darlington race. 
And they wonder why they're uncomfortable. They wonder why they're so insecure. They're trying to be something they were never created to be. Here's the point I'm making. Don't compare yourself. Celebrate yourself. Um, Pastor Pam, who's my associate pastor, she's an amazing woman. She was my boss years ago at a Methodist church that I worked at. And um, her and I are different. Um, Everybody likes her. Uh, She has an amazing anointing of likability. Pastor Pam can walk into a room and people just flock toward her. Um, She's incredibly smart. She has um, theological degrees. I barely made it out of high school. Um, Pastor Pam, she is um, great at counseling. She is just so good at sitting down and listening and listening and encouraging. And um, I am not like her in those areas, and I'm okay with that. I'm very, it took me years to get to this point, but I finally learned I can only be the best me I can be. I can't be the best somebody else. And I'm okay with her gifts, because guess what? Um, I have gifts in my life that she doesn't have. And I may be an SUV, she may be a race car. People wave at the race car, they love the race car. That's okay, that's fine with me. I'm okay in the race that I was meant to be in. Some of you, God made you a, 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 a truck, Some of you, you're a low rider. Some of you, you got a motorcycle. Whatever you got, don't compete in a race that you were never meant to compete in and become something you're not. I'm not the world's greatest dad, but I'm the world's, I'm I'm being the best dad that I can possibly be. I'm not the world's greatest pastor, but I'm going to be the best pastor that I can possibly be. I'm not competing with another pastor. I'm not competing with another um, speaker, another teacher. I have my individual unique gifts. And if we don't learn who God made us to be and who God did not make us to be, then we'll never live confidently. Last scripture, Romans 12, 6. Let's be what we are made to be without enviously comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Um, I may not have what somebody else has. They may be a Lamborghini. I may be an Oldsmobile. Doesn't matter. I'm going to be the best Oldsmobile I was created to be. My confidence doesn't come from the outside. Doesn't come from if people cheer for me or don't cheer for me. It comes from who God made me to be and what he thinks about me. So let me encourage you one last time. Renew your mind. Don't put so much emphasis on one person in life And don't compare yourself, celebrate yourself. And if you'll do those things, I promise you'll have the confidence you need to fulfill the God-given divine destiny that he has for you. Amen.